Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. Amen. Well, I tell you what, one thing is, is for sure, we're definitely not the experts here. Not one bit. I'm with, I'm with PJ. We are absolutely still learning. But there are quite a few things that we, we have learned along the way that we like to share. Amen. Amen. So as Pastor John said, we do have two beautiful children. So we have been parents for almost 13 long years. And parenting has been one of the most rewarding, but the most challenging experiences that we've had. We've had our children when we started in our mid-20s and realized very quickly that we would need the Lord's help. Amen? Amen. While raising our children, we learned that the culture today is not the same culture of 30 years ago. Back in the day, we had to record our shows on VHS tapes. How many of y'all remember that? Now, let me take it back a little bit further. How many of y'all remember He-Man? Yeah. G.I. Joe? Yeah. My Little Pony? That's what we grew up with. And we had to wait for them to come on at a certain time. Now, our kids can stream their favorite shows anytime they want. Back in the day, you were cool if you had a cordless phone. Now, we have kids that have cell phones in elementary school. It's definitely mind-blowing to see the changes that have happened between yesterday and today. But even though cultures change, God is still the same. God transcends time and generation, and he's relevant today. So, you know, before you have kids, you oftentimes think that parenting looks like this. You're excited. You can't wait to have a child. You're like, look, we're going to do piggyback rides. They're in the field. They're smiling and everything. You're like, man, this is what parenting is going to look like. It's going to be so cool. And then all of a sudden, then actually when they get here, you realize that you end up looking like this. Just trying to figure out how in the world to get to church. How do I change these diapers? What the world is a wipe warmer? You know, all of these things that's going on, kids start moving and they catching stuff and everything, and then they get to blow up out the back in the car. It's just a whole bunch of stuff. You're like, what? What is this? And they don't come out with any kind of, uh, you know, instruction manuals. But, you know, whenever, whenever you go out in public, though, you always try to look like this. Yeah, you try to look like this. You try to look like this, like everything is good and like you got it all together. And then you, you, you know, everything look like your Easter pig. That's our Easter pig right there. And you got a hashtag blessed up there. Yes, but really, really, though, parenting is extremely tough. Amen? It's tough. It takes a ton of energy, all your money, a tremendous amount of love and courage. And yet sometimes it still feels like it's just not enough. And if you have kids this morning, we want to tell you that if God's given you kids, then you are anointed to be parents. Amen? Anointed is just a churchy word for being consecrated or set apart. But it also means to be empowered. God empowers us. Psalms 127.3 tells us that children are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. So real quick, turn to your neighbor. 
Say neighbor. My kids are my gifts from God. Now, it may not feel like that when they're yelling and they're arguing and they're throwing Cheetos in the car and they're challenging you. But I promise you, they really are blessings from God. And because of that, we all want to be good parents. In fact, you know, perfect parents if we can be. But let me for you this morning. It's okay that you're not perfect. It's okay that you're not perfect. You know, our culture creates this illusion of the perfect parent. You know, and, and they do this through TVs and commercials and books and these seminars. And, 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 and we, are, we, we read these things. We look for these things because we're trying to find a secret sauce in that formula that really actually don't exist. Everybody has some advice, but truth be told, most of it is just OJT. I can remember when, when my daughter was four months, year, four months old and she fell off of the changing table when I was reaching for a, a pack of new wipes. Yeah, I know she bounced at least once. I mean, she bounced at least once, and then she cried. I thank God my wife wasn't around, and then I thought, oh, my gosh, she's going to be short like me. <laughs> you know, and so then two years later, we had our son. And, you know, I had figured I had learned from the first incident. So we had put all of the wipes in the first drawer so I didn't have to reach for it because my arm's short. So... I will tell you, JR never fell off of the changing table. However, he did roll off the couch a few times. You know, and if, if you have multiple kids, then you know that what may work with one child may not necessarily work with the other. Amen? Amen? Anyone in here ever checked Facebook often but haven't barely seen their kids' grades until the report card come out? Yeah, I've been there doing that. Yeah, you know, as parents, we all have these hashtag fail moments as we learn how to parent. More importantly, they teach us who we are as parents. And in regard to these moments, we have to be mindful to avoid insecurity and, compa and comparison. You know, because culture tries to use our fail moments to tap into our insecurities when things aren't going well especially when we don't know something or we can't control the outcome. So what we try to do is we try to know everything and control every aspect of our children's lives, but we simply just can't. And if we're not careful, it'll sow discouragement and despair into our hearts until we're hopeless and just defeated as parents. Anyone in here, anyone in here, their kids ever embarrass them? <laughs> especially when you get that call from the school and you know your child did it and you got to go to the principal's office, you got to go in there and have it talk. We don't want anyone to know how we feel when that's going on. Or we don't want anyone talking about how our kids act. Or we don't want anyone else to give us advice or even try to help in those times. But you see, it's in those times, it's in this place here that we can sink into a place of isolation. And if we're not careful, we can get caught by the trap of comparison. You know, Paul said that it's, it, it is unwise to compare ourselves with ourselves. Furthermore, comparison opens up the door to condemnation and pushes out love and gratefulness. We first start to think, why don't my kids behave like those kids? Why don't my kids make grades like those kids? Then we start to say out loud, 
why can't you be like those kids? Why can't you make, you can't make any grades better than that? You see, the grass ain't always greener on the other side. And comparison robs us of the grace that God freely gives. And that what we need to, in order to grow as individuals as, and parents. Anything that, that grows needs time and it needs space. Consequently, if we aren't in receipt of that grace, then we can't give it to our kids. So emotionally, we condemn ourselves and we become harsh with them. So instead of entertaining comparison, we should embrace our fell moments as opportunities. Because God uses our fell moments as opportunities to build our faith up, draw us closer to him, give us peace when we don't quite understand, develop patience in us when we, can't, when, we can't, when we accept that we can't control everything and that we don't have all the answers. But he assures us that we can find all the answers in him. He tells us that we can trust him. And in Psalms 46.1, the word of God says that God is a refuge, a safe place, and our strength. An ever-present help in the time of trouble. So when you are at your wit's end, that's when you are at the beginning of faith in him. His grace is more than enough. And in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. God's word is a lamp and his Holy Spirit a guide. Our kids don't need us to be the perfect parent. They need us to be a godly parent. Tell your neighbor, I'm anointed to be their parent. God is the perfect parent. And not only does he teach us how to parent, but he also parents us in the process. So Dwayne mentioned how our children fell off the changing table and the couch when they were babies. And it just made me think of how many times we've fallen off of our changing tables and our couches when God was trying to clean us up. How many times did we move and fall off? But the good news is, God tells us to stay calm. You're a child, too. No matter how old you are, you are a child. We all have biological parents, but God is our spiritual father. And 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so are we. The reason why the world does not know us that it did not know him. Although you may be a parent, know that you're being parented by God. God is our heavenly father and he loves us. He's the one who knows what's best for us. God knows what it's gonna take for us to get in line with his plan for our lives. He also knows when we're gonna make mistakes. He knows when we're gonna do our own thing. But it's funny how we have a hard time giving our, our children the same understanding when they mess up and they do their own thing, which is the same thing that we're doing. Amen. Amen. Amen the same grace that's extended to us by our Heavenly Father needs to be extended to our children. But the good news is that even though God is a perfect parent, he's a perfect parent to us despite us being imperfect children. One thing we need to ask ourselves is what example are we using? Think about your parents or who raised you, whether the experience was good or bad. We tend to take on the characteristics of those who raised us without even thinking about it. Growing up, my mom always made sure that we had a vegetable for dinner. She had her standard five go-to vegetables. 
And the problem was I only liked two of those vegetables. But I have yet incorporated the same example to my kids. I've expanded the variety of vegetables that I serve for dinner. Yeah, like squash and zucchini and all that stuff. However, guess what, y'all? My kids still only like two vegetables. <laughs> so I tried, but the saga continues. Parenting is not easy, especially in today's culture. Parents are told to let their kids dictate to them how they want to be brought up and how they want to live. But culture says, do what you want to do. But God says, do what he tells you to do. We need to let this be our starting place for how we approach raising our children. Children need time and space to grow in the garden of your family. They need grace just like we do. As parents, we need to display the love and provide the guardrails and boundaries for children as they're growing up and navigating through life. And you see, providing those guardrails can be really difficult, especially when we consider, consider the variables in the culture. I mean, everything is so easy these days, and there's a workaround for everything. For example, when's the last time that you remembered a phone number? Mm-hmm. Your phone does that. Don't want to go to the store? Amazon. Go to the store, but don't want to actually go in the store? Walmart pickup. And for the kids, like, you know, they don't have encyclopedias anymore. They got Google. They don't know Dewey Decimal System. They got audiobooks. Hey, Alexa, what's nine times nine? Nine times nine is 81. Exactly. I mean, and you can learn anything off of YouTube. And yes, there's an app for that. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just not the same. You know, it's just not the same world when we grew up. Children have instant access and exposure to everything. But see, exposure without teaching can be dangerous. So our children, as we do, need discipline as guardrails, but also as guidelines as to how we should live our lives. Because it's, a it's because this, the discipline that we're taught and the discipline that we exercise that shapes and molds the people that we actually become. So how do you view discipline? I mean... Is it, is it timeout? Is it uh, a spanking, a punishment, a re restriction? I mean, all of us grew up with some form of it, and culturally, we truly do all do it a little differently. Amen? Amen? Well, first, I believe that we need to have the right perspective about discipline, right? First of all, discipline is not punishment. Amen? Punishment means to inflict a penalty as retribution for an offense. Rather, discipline by definition means to train and to teach and is rooted in love. There's a redemptive quality in discipline that restores us and pushes us to be better. While punishment has no redemptive quality, but only inflicts penalty and pain and then leaves you there condemned. And as parents, if we misunderstand discipline, we can mistake it for punishment and be harsh, cold-hearted, and even abusive to our children, then call it discipline and claim that our actions are rooted in love. Or potentially, we could just avoid it altogether and establish no guardrails and boundaries for our kids and let, our, and let the other parent do all of the disciplining while we be the fun parent. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
But let's consider for a moment how God views discipline. Hebrews 12, 6 says, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he, he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Proverbs 3, 12 says, the Lord corrects everyone he loves just as parents correct a child they dearly love. God lovingly teaches, trains, builds us up and corrects us for our own benefit. God's discipline is indicative of our sonship to him. And in his responsibility towards us. Look, I can put my kids on restriction when they act up. But I have no right to put your kids on restriction when they act up. Because they ain't my kids. You know, it is, it is God's desire that we be holy. Bear the fruit of his character. And enjoy life within the boundaries that he set meant to protect us. Amen? And it's through that love he shows us this discipline and teaches us to do the same. Proverbs 22, 6 says to train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they get older, they will not depart from it. Our kids will grow and, and, and no doubt be exposed to a ton of things. But our role as parents is to shape and to mold their identity and their perspectives about who they are and the world around them. If we fail to do this, we leave them vulnerable to external and unhealthy influences that will in fact shape and mold them for us. And shape and mold does not mean to control or manipulate, but it means to guide through love and through discipline. See, a life of little to no discipline or boundaries can be disastrous. Such was the case with Eli and his adult sons, Hophni and Phinehas, in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Eli was a priest in Israel and a judge, and his sons were priests as well. By law, they had to be at least 25 to 30 years old. They would take advantage of people coming in to make sacrifices, take meat from them, and sometimes even by force. And they would even sleep with the female workers that were in the tabernacle and having no respect for God. I mean, basically, it's like the pastor of the church sleeping with all the women and stealing from the offering. Mm. And see, Eli was aware of this. And as parents, we know what our children are typically doing. Amen. We know when they lying. I am the worst liar in the world. And my son has inherited the same thing. He got every single tale in the book. You, uh, did you do it? Can't look you in the eye, sweating, everything. Y'all smelling, everything. All of a sudden, just the worst liar in the world. We know what our kids are doing. But what are our kids doing that we know is morally or spiritually wrong that we haven't or won't address? And we even make excuses for their actions. Oh, they're just being kids. But let me tell you something. Kids cussing their parents out and cussing at adults and hitting their parents and bullying others, that's not being kids. Tell your neighbors, say, neighbor, that ain't cute. Proverbs 22:15 says that foolishness and disobedience is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction drives it far away. And I told my children, there's tons of love at 902 Willow Point. Because what child isn't disobedient or selfish at times? All children need discipline. And though Eli knew what was going on and he finally addressed it, he did not appear to stop his sons. 
And we know that this, we don't know how long this went on, but we know it went long enough that God had enough. So Eli might have thought that their, his actions were, weren't, the, that their actions weren't a big deal. Or maybe he was just letting them be themselves. But sadly, Eli was mistaken. Proverbs 13, 24 says that whoever spares the rod hates their children. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. How strong God's words are. Hates their children. Though the sons are responsible for their own actions, Eli did not properly love them. And God held them all accountable. In verse 34 of that chapter, we see that God eventually asked Eli, why did he honor his kids over him? And see, what ended up happening is that Eli was judged. He would see both of his sons die, and their, their, their family, their generation, their descendants would lose the opportunity to serve in a priesthood. They lost a generational blessing. See, discipline takes love, courage, and it looks different today than it did yesterday. And it looks different from every single family. But principally, it's the same. Hebrews 12:11 says, discipline is grievous. It is not pleasant. And it does not feel good. But it is good. For it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And as parents, we are the most influential people in the lives of our children. We must grow in our relationship with God and model a life of godliness and discipline before them. Because we're not just raising kids. We're raising a generation. Amen? Amen. And as you model the life of godliness before them, not only do you set the standard, you are the standard. A definition of standard is an idea or thing used as a measure, norm, or model. It's what we use to judge what's right and what's not. It's the mechanism by which we use to determine success. When our standard is not met, there should be accountability. Amen? Children look to us for the standard, what to do and what not to do. Parents, it's time to stand up and be the standard in our homes. Amen. Joshua 24, 15 says, If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When I was growing up in my house, going to church was not optional. Every Sunday, the expectation was for us to attend church. As a teenager, I began to stay up late and watch TV. Sometimes I would go over to my friend's house but my mom made it clear that I needed to go to church in the morning. Anybody have that type of mom? Amen. So me, being a curious teen, I decided to test this theory one time. And I hung out a little late with my best friend. And as a result, of course, I was very tired the next day. So my mom came in my room. She tried to wake me up several times. And I thought that I was just going to lay in the bed and just sleep, catch up on sleep, and miss church. So after several attempts of trying to wake me up, she said, if you can't get up for church, you can't go out on Saturday nights. My mom had a standard, and I was expected to attend church, or there would be consequences. So I was instantly motivated 
to get up and go to church, my sleepy self. So God taught me through my mom that going to the house of the Lord was important. It was important and it was the priority to worship God. I didn't understand what she was doing at the time, but she was setting a standard in my life. And as a result, I have that same standard to this day with our children. So what's your standard? If you don't have God as your standard, you're repro reproducing children without a measuring stick. The foundation of a child is built from the bricks that their parents provide. They'll glean their standard from the world instead of you, who God has anointed to set the standard for them. If you don't give your child good bricks, how strong will their foundation be? How strong will it be when the winds of life blow against them? Children learn directly and indirectly from their parents. They learn from what you say, but they mostly learn from what you do. Children learn how to love from their parents. They learn how to engage in relationships with their parents. And they learn how to conduct themselves from their parents. So what do you recognize in your kids that come from you? For example, our daughter is very shy but she's very affectionate and she loves hugs. Guess who she gets that from? <laughs> if you have ever met this man and you haven't gotten a hug, then that is the weirdest thing ever because he hugs everybody. <laughs> so she definitely got that from him. She ain't lying. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, my son, he's quiet and he likes to read. So he gets that from me. Not saying that my husband's illiterate, but he just doesn't like to read all the time. <laughs> Was that a compliment? Or I love you. I love you. You read sometimes. <laughs> Fruit is produced by the tree that it comes from. So what kind of tree are you? What are you reproducing in your children? What we need to remember is that we reproduce who we are not who we pretend to be. Either your kids will want to be like you or they're going to want to be the stark opposite of you. God is looking for the parent who reproduces after him. Any type of parent that's intentional about planting seeds for the kingdom of God. Are you the standard in your home? That's a question we need to ask ourselves. God is the standard for all of us and we should exhibit that standard in our homes. As you follow Christ, your children should see him manifested in your lives. You should see, they should see you praying. They should read, see you reading his word. They should see you living the life before them and not just be a hearer, but a doer of the word of God. You need to live your faith in front of them because it takes faith to raise children in our culture today. Let them see you exercise your faith when things aren't going well. Amen. What happens when what you believe is not lining up with what you see? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Your diligence and faithfulness through the good and bad times speaks volumes in front of your children. And it shows what you believe and it translates in their lives, and it's a seed in their lives that they will never uproot. 
it's, it exemplifies to them that trusting God is always the best decision. So trust God to raise you as you raise your children. Amen. Look, this is not a formula for perfect parents or having perfect kids. But it's some principles to live by and to love our kids with. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.